1: and welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. We are here live on Zoom for our 37th live show in front of a live studio audience, courtesy of the yeah. East Metal Public Library. Um, I am here with none other than our very own Pronto Comics, Dominic Definition Sperano.
2: I can't believe this is the 37th time.
1: Well, 37th Live show, we have our regular show every week. So we're actually probably triple digits by now.
2: I can't believe we've been doing this now for like three years.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. And we have our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino.
3: Hey, come on, everybody. Smile on your brothers. Everybody get together. Try to love one another.
1: Oh, and and, and right on time, we have our uh, very own From the Life with Jenner G's, Jen Elise Feldy. Hello. And we have, uh, <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were gonna do more. And we have our special guest who we're going to be talking to, with, and about, which is awesome because he's here. It's none other than Francesco, the artist.
4: Hey everybody.
1: So as I mentioned before, we're going to be, there we go, before, uh, we're gonna be talking to, with, him, and about, but we have to do our news. So let's take it away with the news. News is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show. Celebrate so 25 years of comic book and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Listen to the uh, uh, the next convention. will be on uh, May 1st and 2nd of 2021, in theory. <laughs> um, and also, I want to do our shout-outs for the Patreons, of which there are... Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, a Famous Dresden Media, Media, Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and the Huracan, which is a convention in a church in Long Island. So if you want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com and uh, go to look up a King from Rio in the search bar, and just for a dollar, you can get your own little shout-out. But now, let's take it away with the news. Uh, as always, we start off with the sad news. So we uh, have longtime actress, Conchata Gallen-Farrell, died recently from complications. What was that? Conchata. Conchata. It's nice. Conchata? Conchata. Conchetta. All right. Thank you, senior correspondent, Charles Saladino. Um, That's
2: why he's a senior correspondent.
1: uh, Died recently from complications following a cardiac arrest. Uh, While perhaps best known for her role as Berta, the housekeeper, in 221 episodes of the CBS series Two and a Half Men, Conchata also appeared in such shows slash TV movies as Hot L Baltimore, BJ and the Bear, ER, the other one, uh, Samaritan, The Mitch Snyder Story, Goodbye, Miss Fourth of July, L.A. Law, A Peaceable Kingdom, Hollywood Dog, Opposites Attract, Deadly Intentions, Again, Backfield in Motion, Hearts of Fire, Teen Angel, Modern Vampires, Postal Jerks, Grace and Frankie, and The Ranch, just to name a few. On the big screen, she appeared in such films as Mystic Pizza, Edward Scissorhands, Heaven and Earth, True Romance, Network, Four Keeps, Aaron Brockovich, Mr. Deeds, and Krampus, just to name a few you guys uh, fans of uh, Two I'm, and a Half Men
3: or any of her uh, mini projects? Uh,
2: no, um, I, I like Two and a Half Men. She was really some of the best lines.
3: Yeah. You go to go to YouTube and they actually – you go to YouTube and they actually uh, – they dissect them. They, they put her on their own uh, thing, Bertha's lines. It's great. Yes. It's
4: hysterical.
3: Francesco, are you a
1: fan of,
4: uh,
3: of her? Did we lose Francesco? I think
1: we
4: lost Francesco. Oh, no. I'm here. I'm here. Oh. Just <laughs> Did you uh were you a fan of those n uh uh well of course like uh somebody said that she had the best lines and she cut it every time she killed it every time.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: And she kept that. Charlie Sheen in check. What was that? She kept Charlie Sheen in check on the yes. show.
2: Yes, she did. Well, <laughs> well, on the show, not in <laughs> reality. No one can do that in reality.
3: Winning!
0: Winning well, winning. winning. Did AIDS even keep him in check?
2: Nope.
0: I don't think so, right?
2: Nope. Tiger blood.
0: Exactly. Tiger blood.
1: So, let's see. For the uh, last bit of sad news, because we only have a little bit of sad news this week. Wait, what? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit.
2: Um, This is the happiest sad news segment of all time, man.
1: uh, Television game show host James Edward Nars, N-A-R-Z, better known by a stage name, Tom Kennedy, also died recently. James hosted such game shows as uh, You Don't Say, Split Second, Name That Tune, Password Plus, Dr. IQ, It's Your Bet, Break the Bank, To Say the Least, and Wordplay, Just Name a Few. Um, Of note, I particularly remember him from his extremely short syndicated nighttime half-hour version of The Price is Right back in the 80s. They tried to make a nighttime version, which was only half an hour, and it was not... It was no Bob Barker. Let me just say that. No,
2: no. Bob Charlie, Barker all the way.
1: Charlie, you remember any of those shows back in the day? Yeah, I even remember them in the day. <laughs> yeah. Were, were you, uh, do you remember him? Or are you a fan of uh, his work?
3: Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, a show host is a show host. They're very good. They're very. They start out at as as announcers, and uh, they go into hosting shows. And and it's it's really really. And I'm not saying this kidding around. It is really a skill how to get you have to get the timing and uh, and and you got to get all the rules and you know it's a skill. So uh, they they are very skilled people. They are the skilled elite. You know,
2: so it perfected the art of speaking, essentially.
3: Yes. That and um,
1: yeah. So so he was yeah. a, a, a young 93. Mark, wow.
2: would, you, would you ever host a game show?
3: I was thinking about it mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, nah. no. Mark's Mark's game show would be I tell you nothing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you would have to guess everything.
1: <laughs> that would be yes. The great game show. Yes,
2: yeah, that, that would be Mark's game show.
1: Uh, Speaking of game shows, moving on to uh, not a sad news.
2: Not as sad news. Yes.
1: From the don't come on down department, due to the ongoing pandemic, for the first time in 48 years, The Price is Right will be recorded with no in-studio audience. Exec says, we quickly realized we're not going to be able to have 300 people on the show sitting close together. We decided that we're going to come back without an audience to maintain the safety as best we could for our talent, for contestants, our staff, and crew. That was the hardest part of all of this. The audience is such a core part of the show. And so we have to hope and know that everyone understands what's going on and how serious it is and that we want to bring back this show for everyone. But it has to look different. If we want to come back, we have to do it safely. Um, to that end, the entire set has been rebuilt. Each contestant. On Bitters Row will be six feet apart, and they'll be. Um, they pulled out all the audience chairs and installed a deck so that everything is now on the same level. So nobody's even walking up; they're just going to be standing there.
3: <laughs> so what did they? What did they do? How did they? The, the contestants are going to be on the staff. Well, um, from what I
1: remember back in the day, because I was a huge Price is Right fan, not as much nowadays, um, the, well, the people yeah. used to line up outside, and the and the, the, the producers or whoever, the interns whoever it was, used to talk to each and every single person. That's how they wrote their name tag and stuck it on their right. chest. So right. that's when they decided who was going to be on the show. And so well, then the, those names were just thrown into yeah. a pot, and then they pulled them out. So they didn't no, know. So it
2: was, was completely random.
1: right. But it was based upon the, the conversations that they had. Right. So obviously, the people who seem more energetic and more this and more that were written down in like a little pad of people to choose from.
3: Right. But what my question is, where are they getting them from now? Well, I'm sure there's going to be people waiting online to see the show. So just pick a couple. Oh, so, so let's not <laughs> gather in groups in the audience. Let's just <laughs> gather in groups outside
1: yeah <laughs> outside is better yes there you wow. go. outside yeah. is better
3: <laughs> uh, why don't they just why don't they just take as, as many guests get a uh summation of as many guests as on the hour show or half hour show put them in the audience space. them out and call them up no i'm,
2: I'm actually curious well, to it, see what they're gonna do isn't the total amount of contestants about eight people
1: no, 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 no. Well, because they um, each segment, they have six, they have six and then whoever else is in contestants row. So they always. Keep right. That's out. what I mean. So there's the six and then the extras. So
2: I, I guess like eight to right. ten. Yeah, it's like it's four people right in like bidder's row.
1: Right. And then they keep on pulling one out every every segment. So that's every six.
2: segment. So that's six. So that's OK, it's about 10, I guess. Yeah. Roughly speaking. Okay. The worst is if, like, you're the last guy to get called up to Bitter's Row, and you have only one chance to get up on stage. Yeah, yeah. I always feel bad for felt bad for that guy. I already I felt bad anyway because I'm usually watching like The Price Is Right because I'm homesick.
4: Yeah. yeah, or it was the summer. Francesco,
3: Francesco, what were you going to say? I cut you off there. I'm sorry.
4: I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still not. Uh... Up on how to actually interject, but uh, uh I think half the fun of that show was getting the reaction of the people in the audience, finding out they might actually be the big winner, and we're yeah. never going to see that now. No. Yeah,
2: that's
1: why I'm like, it's. I wonder how it's going to go, but I'm curious. And, but I think it's
3: not going to go well.
2: No, and you know, I'm, you're missing an essential energy of the show.
3: And let me tell you something. I set up. I set up my Jack Daniels because I take a shot every time somebody runs down and falls. So I'm waiting (laughs) for that. (laughs) Oh no, man, he fell. He fell. Uh, Jack Daniels. You're
2: a horrible person, Charlie. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Well, did you
3: ever see them? Did you ever see them run down? I mean, they they all the people around them cheer and they push them out into the aisle and they they bolt. And it's like, wow, yeah. this has to happen soon.
2: Right. The worst is when they couldn't find the person. And you're just seeing yeah. the camera like, going around <laughs> the like, camera, yeah, that's... this guy, we don't know where. Oh, I finally found. Oh, they're right there. Big... Okay. Yeah. Completely missed them. That's and always... then you're
3: vomiting from the cam... yeah. camera. Yeah, you motion. get motion yeah. sick from the camera yeah. motion.
2: The second biggest thing about that show is like seeing if you can actually guess the price correctly. And then you get annoyed yeah. whether, like, if you're completely wrong about it. Whatever the
4: whatever the, then the guy, ooh, sorry. no, go ahead. You got then it the first ball goes one dollar. <laughs> it's like, okay, can you beat that. Yes,
1: yes. always go to one dollar. Yes, yeah. So let's see. Moving that was on. always,
2: there was always a good move.
1: Go yeah, $1, and then
2: especially when you're like, all right, these everyone is overbid horribly. One buck, boom, I'm in.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then everybody wants to kill him when he wins
2: i hey man, always like to, yes right. the, the side <laughs> eye i always like the side eye they're just yeah. looking at you like yeah, I water. all right so let's <laughs> yeah. see
1: uh moving on all right so this is so normally we i do the news and i have it ready for the whenever we record the show and we do the show on a weekly basis and sometimes we run out of time so i don't have enough time for the news so this particular news item is going to be interesting when you'll find out in one second. So this item was a previous news segment item followed by the current news item segment. So this was a good one. So from the, <clears throat> just because it's open doesn't mean you have to go department. Los Angeles Comic Con has decided to move forward with a 2020 convention on December 11th and December 13th. Executives say, over the past six months, we've been struggling with a very important question. Should we even attempt to have LA Comic Con in 2020? Since March, we've been living in some version of a lockdown, safer-at-home world, trying to stay safe, hoping and praying for the health and safety of ourselves, our family and friends and neighbors, and our fellow human beings. We're wearing masks, keeping socially distant, remaining thankful for frontline workers, and everyone is working hard to make a difference. And yet we yearn for just a little bit of normalcy to reclaim some aspect of the pre-COVID lives. So we ask ourselves, using all of the information and precautions available to us, can we design and run a show in December that is both safe and fun for fans in a time of corona? Uh, we put months of planning, and together with the LA Convention Center, we took guidance from the state, LA County, the mayor's office guidelines, and the answer is yes, we believe we can. So each day, the convention will be split into two five-hour sessions with industrial cleaning before, in between, and after each session. The event uh, also plans to sell no more than 12,000 tickets to each individual session with a goal of lowering fan density uh, at the event by 75%. If fans don't want to physically attend the event, digital live streams will also be available. Whew. Wow. It's,
2: like, look. So long as we're in this world of COVID, why even take the risk of even having close to a large gathering of people?
3: And how do they separate the sessions? What procedure are they going through? To clear out one hall and get the of the old people and get the new people, it's like the old movie things. You hide under the seat so you (laughs) could see the feature again, you know. (laughs) You did
2: now, like I do an event at the end of August every year called the the Long Island Scottish Games. It's a completely outdoor event in a big open field, and they canceled. They canceled it this year. So if because they get maybe five thousand people to. Maybe more to the old Westbury Gardens in Long Island. So, if they're going to cancel and that's completely outdoor, then why even attempt to have anything indoors and certainly at 1200 people a shot? Like, that's just you're just asking for trouble.
1: Well, Francesca, you're an artist, you've done conventions. What's uh, what do you feel on that?
4: Well, uh, the the jury's still out because if you listen to the quote unquote science, if you listen to the quote unquote experts, uh, it keeps changing. The message is not consistent. Like, uh, you know, is it outdoors? Is it indoors? Uh, Just this week, uh, they said that social distancing doesn't make a difference. Uh, I mean, six feet apart maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, masks, maybe they work, maybe they don't. Uh, I wish somebody somewhere actually would come down and say, okay, this is how it is. Let's do that. But it varies and it's hard to believe, it's hard to know who to believe. And so for me, the idea of going to a convention that the tables are six feet apart makes no sense because it's all airborne anyways, Uh, unless we're in there with like asthma suits. I don't see how that could work. So I would have to agree. Why have it? you know, because it's not going to be the same. Uh, The the hazmat convention?
2: Hazmat convention. That'd be good. That'd be interesting if you did like a COVID convention, in which case it's just everybody's selling all the things that you need, like all the gloves you could want, hazmat suits. That'd be kind of fascinating. I'm
3: thinking the hazmat con.
4: Yeah, hazmat con. That's good too. Yeah, unfortunately, the good thing about conventions is the energy in the room. It's like going to a concert. Everybody's vibing to the same energy and uh, you can't have that. Uh, I just don't see how uh, in this current climate.
2: I, I yeah, I agree. I mean, like it, it's just it, there's a, a special thing about a con, especially a really good convention like New York Comic Con or um, uh, San Diego San Diego Con, yeah. even um, Cradle Con. You know, there's a good vibe in the room and
5: or MCon or, or MCon,
2: con, yes, especially MCon. <laughs> Thank you, Voice of God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like out of nowhere <laughs> um but there's a vibe to it, and you know if we're gonna have everything you know segregated out six feet apart, you gotta wear a million things, and don't get me wrong, there's certain aspects of the con that's good, but which we should be doing anyway. I hate the crowded aisles and the and the large groups of people, and obviously as we know that con funk that happens but it does ruin the vibe. Yes.
5: Right on so, the line.
3: Pass, you pass, know, it. yes. There is a, a, a very well-known eatery by me, and it's very popular, and oh my God, you got to wait for a table and stuff. So they put it outdoors, mm. and millions of people go, and they're cramming these people together, and I don't know how they're doing it. I love the place. I still won't go. Right, I still won't go because, you know, it's 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 ridiculous. You look from outside and it's like, wow, these people are on top of you. How are they getting away legally with that? So um
1: yeah, Francesco's to- point
2: though about like not the the thing is, we're watching science unfold in real time, which is annoying and scary. We want a definitive answer, and unfortunately, they keep discovering new things. They're giving us the best answers they can, but. Uh, You know, you find something out. They just said before, like, oh, the virus can't live on the surface for more than nine to 12 hours. And now they just came and said that the virus can live on surfaces up to 28 days like money. So it's like, okay. so my plan now has to get redone again. And until you have at least concrete and it's going to take a year or two years, maybe three concrete knowledge of what this virus does, how it spreads. So really can't have a convention.
1: So on the same, on the same uh, note with that, from the What a Difference a Week makes department, after initially announcing that the LA Comic Con would happen this year, they have now backtracked and canceled this year's event. <laughs> Executives now says, without guidelines, there is no way for LA County, the city, or event organizers like us to know the plans and changes we've made to be COVID safe will be right or even enough.
2: Exactly. No,
3: that's <laughs> not, that wasn't it executives say, hey, we just been listening to it came from the radio and I don't think this That's is right. a good idea. That's, That's right. We're
2: influencers. We're influencers. So- <laughs> Governor Newsom of California just came along and Gibbs slapped the people like, yeah. no, it's not yeah. happening. No.
1: So initially, yeah. they had char- They had passes that ranged from the regular three day passes for seventy two dollars, all the way up to the early bird V V I P passes of three hundred and ninety nine dollars. That's two V's.
2: That's what very very important person.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the the so the organizers did say that the nearly seventy percent of available passes had been sold during the early bird sale. So within that one week, seventy percent of tickets were sold.
2: Well, that's the other problem. People are stupid. <laughs> They're like, I need to get out and go to a convention. It's like, no, you really don't. Yeah. You don't. And, and I, haven't, I haven't been able to check out any of these virtual conventions. I'm sure yeah. MCon's virtual convention was amazing. But you know, to me, it's just, what's the point of a virtual convention? I might as well just watch it on TV. Might as well watch a documentary about a convention.
1: So um, yeah. that's I just I just thought that was hilarious that within one week they went from yeah we're gonna do it selling seventy percent
3: of the tickets and then nah we're not gonna do it.
2: So yeah, that's not get, just hilarious, that's hilarious.
3: Yeah, the the weekend pass they also tandem that with the uh, ER pass.
2: You know. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, so moving on to the final bit of news. <clears throat> from About the, damn time. From
1: Lee, do you remember the banana department?
2: I do, I had one this morning.
1: Last year we reported that Italian artist um, all right here we go. Italian artist Marizio Catalan. I know I'm muttering that name so badly. M-A-P-A-W-C-I-O H- wow. Maurizio. Maruzio. Wow. Marizio. Marizio? All right. Okay. C-A-T-T-E-L-A-N. Catlin? Catalan. Uh, Catalan. That, that guy. Catalan. He made a piece uh, Catalan. called Marizio Catalan. Marizio Catalan. The, Catalan. The, He called a comedian, which is a banana, which is duct taped to a solid wall and a piece of artwork sold for $100,000 in an art gallery in Florida. Now, the same piece, different banana, has been donated to the Guggenheim Museum in Manhattan. The Guggenheim says, we are grateful recipients of the gift of the comedian. A further demonstration of the art's deaf connection to the history of modern art, beyond which it offers very little stress to storage. (laughs) You sound nothing
3: like the building.
2: See, (laughs) actually, having been to the Guggenheim, I can tell you he sounds like the people that work and run the Guggenheim. (laughs) No, he
3: said the Guggenheim says the the, the executives of the Guggenheim.
2: (laughs) This is essentially the twenty-first the twenty-first century version of Duchamp's uh, urinal, number one. (laughs) Yes, number two. It just shows the pomposity or as they would say in that song, the pompousness of modern art and and the people who run art in the world, like New York art scene and, and things like that. The the arbiters of taste in, in terms of fine art. It shows how absolutely stupid they run things. Oh, so, yeah, for, nobody,
3: nobody you're an artist. As, yeah, nobody was as stupider as more stupid, wow, who's <laughs> stupid now? um, as the guy who chained the dog to the pole, and the art was to watch it starve to death
2: that's hard that that, that, that that was that was god yeah awful.
3: that was god awful and i i I think he was they had to take that away, and stuff like that they Absolutely. had to, yeah, because that was insane, and I'm putting this out there now. Anybody has an idea about that, I will be visiting you with a Louisville slugger. So
1: Frances- Francesca, you're an artist. What, yes. So what do you think of the banana on the duct tape? Did you hear about this?
4: Uh, well, I did. And I think uh, there's a certain artistry to being able to troll to that level that everybody knows, even if you're not in the quote unquote art world, you know about it. I mean, everybody here knows about that. It's uh, inspired a lot of... Uh, um, I don't want to say copycat. What is it? Homages, if you will. Yes. Uh, uh, I've seen uh, eight taped to a wall. I've seen, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? And so uh, there's a certain artistry to trolling. And uh, uh, I think that can't be uh, dis- uh, dismissed as stupidity. Uh, I, from where I stand, if you could figure out some kind of way to put food on the table and a roof over the head, uh, over your head um more power to you and uh That's it's fair. Sold, yeah yeah it sold for some fair. big money but then again uh, it traveled even further <clears throat> excuse me it traveled even further than anybody could have imagined
2: the annoyance to me is not that that someone thought of the idea it's not even that they executed the idea it's not even that the idea was popular for a minute it's to the level that the art world had pushed it so far. That's where the stupidity is. And it's like, guys, do you not understand that this person is actually making a commentary, most likely, I'm guessing, making a commentary on how ridiculous your jobs are. And now you've made that commentary real reality. It's like, it, it'd be, you know, you, you didn't get the joke. You didn't realize you are the joke.
4: And that's that's part of the genius. I'm sorry.
2: Yes, it is genius, but it's also like it's the genius of the artist and a bit of the stupidity of the art world. Yep. Well, of
1: note, which is the reason why I said a different banana, is that the original banana that was taped to the wall was pulled off and eaten by artist David Datuna, who at the time called his own modern art statement, calling it Hungry Artist. No criminal (laughs) charges were filed and the art gallery replaced
3: a banana with a new one. And God forbid some poor kid is eating a banana and walking out and gets arrested for stealing the yeah. artwork.
2: <laughs> now, does that now make it a collaboration piece? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a you've saying. been
1: quiet.
3: Do you have a thought on
1: a banana?
0: Yeah, you, you muted me. So I was being quiet. Um, Did I? <laughs> yes. But I wow. was also laughing. Um, yeah, I love trolling. I live for trolling. I think you know this. <laughs> I, I like trolling more than almost any other form of art. So I love the banana, and also the rotting banana is a great metaphor for New York City, so it's only appropriate that they put that rotting banana, or banana that will rot, in the Guggenheim in Manhattan.
2: There you go. Fascinating thing. Bananas do not rot if they are never opened. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah, if you don't crack that banana open, technically it's still okay to eat. In fact, the best bananas to make like a banana cream pie out of are the ones that are like completely brown and mushy.
0: They do attract fruit flies because I did leave a banana in a bag in someone's house for weeks. And I I went to visit them and I found my bag and they were saying they had fruit flies. And it turned out I was the reason why they had fruit flies.
1: So So. basically you were trolling them?
0: Not intentionally.
1: Okay.
2: I can attest to Jen trolling because I've seen her live under a bridge and ask for tolls.
1: Oh, boom, boom, boom. Uh
2: (laughs)
0: I live under a plant now.
1: So that's it for our news. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with It Came From the Radio.
0: Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60-second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at Hotmail.com.
5: New comics are back at Cosmic Comics and Games of Boulder, And now, get ready for the X-Men event, Ten of Swords, from Marvel Comics. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 7, Thursday from 2 to 7, Friday from 3 to 7, and Saturday from noon to 5. So, if you want the latest Marvel, DC, image, or independent comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516 763 1133 for all the details that's cosmic comics and games of baldwin thank you and
2: stay safe i'm nathan booth from ben and apple tv and you're listening to it came from the radio
5: hey guys
0: this is christy from custom cakes by christy i want you to know that i'm here for you i'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have i've been focusing on bread soups muffins quiches and other basics but i'm still accepting dessert orders as well Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy INC K R I S T Y. Text me at 631-606. 8166. This
2: is
3: Michael Bell, the voice of Duke from G.I. Joe, and I am here at Cradlecom,
5: and I am with It Came from the Radio. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wanton, New York. Contact us on Facebook for Curbside Pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516 221 The Comic Book Depot. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, everybody. This is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio.
0: Now, back to our show.
1: And welcome back to a came for Real, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with the 37th live show, courtesy of the East Meadow Public Library. Um, I have uh, that's www.eastmeadow.info. I have our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino.
2: Hey, it's a radio show, <laughs> you gotta say hi.
1: Frontal <laughs> Comics Alpha Nikita Asperano.
2: Hi, everybody. See, that's how that works, Charlie.
1: <laughs> From the life of Jenner G's, Jenner Lee
0: Hi guys, how you doing? See,
1: there and you our special guest, who we're going to be talking to with and about, none other than Francesco.
2: Hey, hey, Jen. That was like a perfect game show voice.
0: Exactly. The price is wrong.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Francesco. So I want to just uh, briefly introduce Francesco. I've known him for geez, how long has it been? Like a hundred years? I've known you.
4: I think it's a hundred and one. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Um, it's I always like very liked... good. I always like to say the, the joke that we have, I don't know if you even remember this, uh, Francesco, that um, we said that we won't remember how we actually met, so we're just gonna make up a story and eventually that'll become the truth.
4: Uh, well, you say you lie long enough, uh, it does become the truth.
1: Yes, so we, we met in a volcano one day on an adventure and then we became friends and he decided to be an awesome artist. So tell us a little about your work and what you're most famous for.
4: Oh God. Um... I'm not really comfortable talking about myself. (laughs) 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 Uh, Well, uh, I think what I'm known for is not what I started out as. Um, It seems like people really respond to when I draw pretty girls. And uh, although I like to draw everything under the sun, I enjoy drawing everything under the sun. Um, uh, Whenever I put that out there, you know, People seem to respond okay, I guess. You know, maybe like a little bit of a golf club. But uh, when I draw a pretty girl, I get a standing ovation. And Mama didn't raise no starving artist. And so, uh, if that's what people like, um, that's what they're going to see from me. And lucky for me, though, um, I enjoy doing that. For a while there, I was doing a lot of cover work for Xenoscope and that's just pretty girl after pretty girl after pretty girl. And uh, I would take time off of work to draw pretty girls. So it's not like I'm crying about it, but uh, um, somebody somewhere said that life happens in between those moments when you actually try to do something on purpose. I don't know. Yeah. And so um, uh, in spite of my uh, best efforts to go down one particular road, uh, this is where um, the journey has taken me and I couldn't be happier
1: when you decided to start out were you like always i'm gonna be drawing pretty girl that's what you wanted to do when you were young francesco
4: oh no no not at all uh, i just wanted to draw uh, well because a lot of people told me i couldn't so that only made me want to do it even more uh, <laughs> you tell me to do something and yeah okay fine but tell me i can't do something and look up and so um uh, uh, i I would go from convention to convention, thank God for conventions. uh, And I would show my portfolio around. And uh, I wouldn't even, uh, it wasn't even uh, the local conventions. I would go, uh, I would get on planes, trains, and automobiles to go to conventions from sea, to shining sea, just to hopefully maybe one day get to draw comic books for reels. And uh, eventually I broke in. But even to this day, I still feel like I'm trying to break in. And uh, I got really lucky. So it wasn't that I wanted to draw pretty girls. I just wanted to draw. And uh, what was really interesting, for the longest time, publishers would hire me to do what have you. Like one of the biggest uh, uh, joys for me was drawing a Green Lantern uh, project for DC Comics. And I couldn't even sneak in a girl in the background walking down the street or something. It was just one uh, male uh, character in outer space pretty much the whole time. And uh, it wasn't until Eric Larson from Image Comics who came along and said, hey, let me get this guy to draw a girl book. And uh, that's some of you who may not know, that's what they refer to uh, uh, comic books that have a a female as the lead character. And I don't know if it was because of the bad girl craze around the time, or I think it might have been way after that, but long story short, he's the first guy who said, hey, let's do this. Man had a, a party drawing She-Dragon with him on um, one of the most exciting uh, times for me because I've always wanted to do something with image, but to actually get to do it with one of the big guys. Shoulder to shoulder because he would do mini series, he would do uh, uh projects with other creators, but they were kind of like off on the fringe. But he actually wrote this particular story that I get to draw, and it was the first time that someone actually said, Hey, let's scratch that itch. And then, um, that's where more and more people got to see me draw pretty girls, in. and now. Uh, I don't, I don't know if pigeonhole is a way to describe it, but uh, hey, <laughs> there could be worse things to be known It's
2: a, before. it's a tough gig, but someone's got to do it. I, don't
4: know, I don't know. Somebody, cry me a river, please.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, right. It's hard well, out there.
1: In the nineties, I remember there were actual other artists called "quote unquote" babe artists. That was like what their 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 go to was. But nowadays, like it's it's crazy how the 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 feel has changed from back then to now. How do you feel the, the industry has changed around you?
4: Well, the, the thing that I'm happy about is that we still have an industry and, um, uh, because of COVID, um, it, you know, from day to day, from, week to week, uh, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm just grateful. We still have an industry, uh, I think it's going to have to change. Uh, There's no way around it. Um, The physical aspect of it has uh, been affected uh, slowly but surely over the years. But now because of COVID, it's really changed the game in such a way that, uh, what was it, two, three months ago, uh, that Diamond stopped uh, distributing. And since they were the only real uh, deal distributors, maybe there were some smaller ones, but Once Diamond stops, that's it. You know, the pipeline just came uh, to a crashing Mm. halt. And so I'm just grateful we have an industry. Uh, But uh, then we also live in a world where Uh, there's a lot of very vocal people, especially online, who feel like if you don't draw a particular character in a particular way, it can't even exist. Never mind, you know, you pick up the remote and change the channel if you don't like that show. They just don't want it even to be available for people who might want that particular book. And so it's a very interesting time to be alive.
1: Jen, you have a a question for uh, Francesco?
4: Yeah, who
0: inspired this? Ooh. Whose is this based on?
4: Well, that's actually, uh, a client requested that. uh, One of my favorite people, actually speaking of sheet dragging, one of my favorite moments from that period was, San Diego Comic Con, I got a chance to do my very own signing, which was never going to happen. Um, uh, leading up to Comic Con, uh, we weren't sure that She-Dragon was actually going to be coming out in time. And so long story short, the, the book was going to come out finally, but the week after Comic Con, which of course does nothing for me for Comic Con people who don't know, San Diego Comic-Con was considered a Super Bowl. That was the kind of the year. And so um, Eric Larson did me a giant favor. He's like, no, we really, uh, uh, we really uh, uh, you know, we really can't, you uh, know, we really can't. Here, we'll cut that out. Well, what Eric did was, uh, he told me how it was. He's like, look, uh, I can't promise you we're going to have copies of the book at the show. And I was like, I'm not worried about that. I wasn't going to go to uh, San Diego that year. And so he was telling me, well, you know, the book may not be there. I was like, I'm okay with that. I would rather go to San Diego Comic-Con and not have the book there. But I would feel horrible if I didn't go to Comic-Con that year. And lo and behold, the planets lined up and the book was actually at Comic-Con, but I wasn't there. So Mm. I rolled the dice and I showed up and the fates were kind. And yes, the book was there. And I was like walking on air. I felt like a million bucks. It was such a good moment. And uh, I I don't don't remember if it was Saturday or whatnot. I made the trek from Artist Alley to uh, the Image Booth, which is a challenge in itself. If you know what it's like trying to walk down those aisles. And the energy in the room, I mean, it was just intoxicating. It was so amazing. And add the fact that my book finally came out and I was just on cloud nine. I'm walking, get there. I sit down, me and Erica, you know, a huge line of people who wanted to get a copy of the book were signing books and I get a tap on my shoulder. I look behind me and it was Chloe Bourne Moore. And Claiborne Moore is known for his amazing sculptures. He did some amazing work over the years featuring a lot of comical characters. And he also did She-Dragon. Well, I I don't know if it it coincided or he just happened to have some uh, statues with him. But he taps me on his shoulder and he's like, here, Francesco, this is for you. And it's about fell over you can knock me over with a feather he presented me with my own shoe dragon statue and i felt like i want to stand up and thank the academy it just had that same feel that same weight to it that what i'm imagining an oscar would feel like and so as high as I was at that moment, it catapulted me even higher. Well, fast forward to that cover that you just asked me about. Well, that's Claiborne Moore's character. Uh, he had created a statue called, um, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking out here. Uh, it'll come to me. And so uh, his character uh, was named after that particular firearm. Oh man, somebody help me. We could put the subtitle underneath. I can't I believe I'm, I'm blanking out on the name of the book. And uh, he asked if I would be interested in doing some covers for his book. I was like, somebody, you know, I, I pity the fool who tries to get it in the way. I definitely wanted to go ahead and uh, draw uh, anything for him. Uh, I, and that was one of the covers he asked for, and I was happy to do it.
0: Hmm. Thank
4: you. It's very interesting. So that's all. More more, he was always like, "Hey, let's do this," and I was like, "Yeah, let's go for it." So I went. I went with it. Yeah.
0: Do you have so, real people that you use as muses often, or your muses? Who are your muses for the women?
4: People like you, beautiful women. I, I can't stop being inspired by beautiful women. Uh, they've always. Uh, and and again, it wasn't intentional. It just that's just how things evolved. but um yeah I, I I can't see myself getting tired of doing that ever uh it hasn't happened yet I don't see that happening
0: <laughs> let us know when you get tired <laughs> okay okay Charlie Sorry. you have a
3: you have a question for Francesco yes I do uh Francesco did you ever complete a piece of artwork and you you thought it was uh you thought it was amazing and you were very happy with it and it wasn't received as well as you thought it might have been?
4: Oh, all the time. <laughs> See, what's really <laughs> strange is you like, uh, you know, in my fantasy world, I like to think that I kind of have a sense of what people may or may not respond to. And what I love about the Internet, uh, warts and all, you have people who are unfiltered and uh, people will respond when they have something to respond to. So a lot of times when I do create something like you suggest that I I feel like, oh, people are totally gonna dig this. I put it out there and, you know, eh, okay, maybe, but sometimes I just throw something out there, just, you know, thinking whatever I, you know, not put too much thought into it. Maybe it's a work in progress. And people totally respond to it. So, yeah, yeah I, I, people who tell you they know what they're doing are lying to you. Because if everybody, like the quote-unquote experts, you know, like at the big publishers, if they actually knew what they were doing, let me rephrase that. They know what they're doing. But if they actually had this secret, you know, if they knew what the key was yeah. to unlock that lock, every book would be number one every week.
3: Yeah. It's kind um, of like a good a good teacher always told me, never admit anything is luck, you know, because, (laughs) uh, you know, that's, that's what it all is. Have you ever been uh, contacted or worked with any tattoo artist? Uh,
4: Yes and no. Uh, I've been contacted to draw, uh, I've been contacted to draw uh, tattoos, uh, but it was kind of in a roundabout way. Like, Uh, But not by artists. uh, It's more by the client, you know, the person who wanted to get the tattoo. Uh, uh, Actually, I had someone reach out to me on a popular website back in the day called DeviantArt. And uh, I would post my artwork on DeviantArt. And one of the covers that I drew for Zenoscope, as a matter of fact, was something that was a little bit uh, unusual. Because most most of the times when uh, artists draw connecting covers, which is basically two covers that stand alone. But when you put them together, it makes one bigger picture. And usually they're put side by side. But me being the weirdo guy that I am, instead of doing them side by side, I put one on top of the other, just because and so uh, somebody saw that particular uh, series of covers that I drew. And they actually made a sleeve out of that particular uh, image. And they tattooed it from wrist to shoulder. I didn't know this at the time. So he reached out to me because he wanted two sleeves. So he wanted his other arm to match. So, of course, I was more than happy to uh, create something similar, yet very different. But the second time around, it was specifically for a tattoo as opposed to someone saw a picture that they liked and they turned that into a tattoo.
2: That's pretty cool. That's really cool.
4: I I was was lucky enough. I
2: got to do a tattoo for someone once. But that's that's awesome.
4: Right, I mean that doesn't happen every day. So no. yeah, and again, in spite of my best efforts of trying to go down one particular place, uh, people constantly surprise me with amazing opportunities.
1: So speaking of amazing opportunities, um, where is a uh, social media? Times, where can people find you? All that fun stuff, links, websites. Uh, I know you just have finished a Kickstarter campaign with uh, was the Made in America.
4: Oh my God, yeah, you know, that. oh yeah, that was exciting in itself. Yeah, Mark it, it does his a- research. he does he does does his research he's he's really good Uh, i'm very impressed yeah no uh that was exciting for me because um i've been thinking about doing something like that for a while now and uh anyone who's ever done anything crowdfunding knows uh i mean i know now but at the time i kind of imagine what it might be like and wow what a roller coaster ride that can be and i'm grateful that people were willing to support it and that's where my head is right now um because of current, you know, we've been talking about COVID this entire time, because of uh, the way things are right now, even when we quote unquote quote back to how things were, it's never going to be exactly how things were. I mean, we have to change, we have to adapt. And so crowdfunding, I think, is the way to go, um, whether it's Indiegogo, um, Kickstarter, or just directly from I've seen a lot of people doing auctions on their uh, social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and there's so many, and I do have accounts on a lot of them, but it's exhausting trying to keep up with all of them, and um, I'm mostly on on Facebook, Patreon, and I'm trying to get more on Twitter and Instagram, but again, like I said, it's it's like a full-time job, and uh, I'd rather spend that time drawing.
1: Well what's your main site that people can just go to and check out your work and uh Well my
4: main site is Francesco.com and one of these days I'm actually gonna get that thing up and running for real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta go see what it looks like now. Hold on. Oh, no, please. It's a- yeah yeah no it's it's uh it's one of those things where you know remember back in the day it was just like hey build a website become a millionaire you know the world is your oyster who goes to websites anymore it's really about social media now and so uh yeah it's francesco artist on facebook or a variation of those things on all the other media. I don't even know them by heart, to be honest with you, because sometimes the uh, names are taken. And my preference, of course, would be Fresco, which is Francesco with the anch in the middle taken out of it. So it's much shorter because we live in an LOL world, an OMG world. So the less letters, the better. But uh, every time I would put it in Fresco, somebody beat me to it. So... (laughs) Such is life, because if uh, anyone remembers uh, back in the day for people up and coming, uh, the internet was a great way to collaborate or uh, just get your work out there. Even before publishers gave us a shot, artists like me would post on digital webbing or pencil jack and uh, we would post our work and uh, it was like peer review and artists would actually uh, post and say, this works, this doesn't work and so on and so forth. And that's how a lot of uh, people met, like Kurt uh, uh, Robert Kirkman. Uh, He met uh, 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 Corey Walker, I think it was, and uh, oh god, his name is seared me right now. um, Ryan Atley, there it is. And uh, that's how uh, Invincible came along. through these really cool websites and he was an indie guy uh they were all indie guys and now they're the mainstream and uh they got a uh you know uh, invincible has a cartoon coming out right now I, i think on amazon or something like that and uh it's amazing uh what happens when people are really passionate about something and even if the gatekeepers are not interested that's okay they still went ahead and did their thing and then Fast forward to today, and this is what we have. And so I think it's great that we live in a world where you can connect with people who may not necessarily be in your backyard. And so hopefully that still is an option because um, uh, I can't imagine trying to do what I'm doing right now, like 20, 30, 40 years ago, where you know people had to go knock on doors and say, please, sir, could I you know, uh, sing for my Mail things be... in
2: unsolicited, like hoping... Right? Someone like, doesn't just put their coffee on top of it. I remember exactly. back in like 2014, CB, CB was saying at New York Comic-Con, he's like, look, it's 2014, just start making comics, put it out on the internet. We'll come find you if you're good. And yep. that's, that's what it is. It's even more now, you know, just keep making and putting it out there. If you're really good, you'll get work. And if they see your progression, you'll eventually get work.
4: Well, that's the hope. But then again, yeah. I get to a point that, um, I can't remember the last time I actually tried to, quote unquote, get work because mm. that was how you played the game. And back in the day, even before the Internet, even before, you know, you got to self-publish, because even if you did self-publish, most people wouldn't see your comic book because sure. retailers couldn't, you know, they they have limited shelf space. So I don't want to make yeah. the retailers the bad guys here. Uh, they have, you know, they have mouths to feed, too. So, uh If you wanted to get your stuff out there uh, maybe locally people would know what your book was but uh, it it comes down to where uh, I I never was comfortable with that you know like you know knocking on doors trying to get my um, work seen that way Um, I mean just recently uh, uh, on Twitter uh, someone said hey looking for a cover artist and I was like why not so I, I as I was actually posting one of the covers that I drew to say, hey man, I'd be interested in, you know, doing some covers for you guys. It just felt gross. It just doesn't feel natural for me to mm. actually sit there and say please pick me choose me uh because I've, I've been spoiled and I've been uh, uh fortunate enough to have people come knocking on my door and say hey man can you do something for me yeah and it's just like uh yeah as soon as I finish this hopefully I have some time and I was lucky because as an artist I'm sure you know what it feels like to walk down that tightrope without a safety net
2: oh it's and... it's terrible
4: because yeah, you're trying yeah. to
2: like sell yourself and things that's the beauty of the internet like you attract people who want your style because the worst thing is like when you go like hey i can do a cover and then they're like all right well i want it to look like this and you're like oh well that's not my style that's not what i do that's not whatever you're like all right well you know or or they like we love it we hire you okay change a million things and you're like why don't you just
4: draw it yourself then (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Try well, it I've yourself. Been exactly yeah i've been fortunate though to work and collaborate with people and clients especially like clay uh Moore, who uh, i have so much uh respect and love for uh he was just like uh he was a like-minded person so he's, just, so he's like hey let's do this let's go down this way let's go let's and it's it's really, it's almost like a musician when you're harmonizing and you're both on the same wavelength and you, you know, you start riffing off each other and you go back and forth. And the way I like to work is uh, including the client from the very beginning. So rather than like drawing the entire uh, piece and then submitting and saying, what do you think? I like it where uh, they have some input so that uh, they have their opportunities. say, hey, let's go this direction or that direction. And uh, it's more fun for me because uh, if they're not happy, I'm not happy. And knock on wood, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to collaborate with others who, uh, you know, we're not dropping the bombs like you rec- uh, like like you said. You know they hire you, but want you to do something completely alien to yourself. Uh, and so, uh, again, because of the way that things have evolved, I'm kind of like uh, spoiled. Where because of uh, crowdfunding, like pl- uh, platforms like Patreon, now I have followers who are like, "Hey Francesco, just go do your thing, do what you're happy to talk about." and we'll support you no matter what. And that's actually been able uh, to uh, allow me to scratch an itch that I was never able to because uh, back in the day, it was just like, you know, how do you put food on the table? How do you put a roof over your head? And uh, I was uh, very fixated on the very next project that would pay the bills. And every time I would get that feeling, like, "Ooh, wouldn't it be great if I could try this?" As soon as I have some free time, I'll do that. But let me eat my vegetables. I can't have my dessert right now. And it was like, I think free time is the greatest problem. myth of adulthood.
1: Well, speaking of speaking of free time, we're almost out of time, so, so we wanted, got to get to so our, our final thoughts. So, uh, Jennifer, do you have a final thought?
0: Final thoughts is if you're spending a lot of time inside, you can put plants inside, cleans the air, and it's very, very good for your mood. So get some plants. You're going to spend a lot of time inside. It really does wonders for your energy.
3: Uh, Charlie, do you have a final thought for us? Yes, I'd like to thank Francesco for coming on the show. Always support artists, especially this one. He does great work, and uh, just be nice to everybody. Stop the hate. Uh, Dominic, final thought.
2: Um, I see that Francesco has a great Patreon here, including a $1 per month level. You know who else also has a $1 per month uh, level? (laughs) Uh, it It came from the radio as well as myself on Patreon. It's fishy sarcasm on Patreon. Go check me out and become a $1 a month uh, subscriber. I need money. I'm out of work. Help me. Help me, please. Help me. <laughs>
1: Francesco, do you have any final thoughts for us?
4: Uh, I love you guys. Thank uh, you for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can get to do it again sometime. Um,
1: my final thought is this. Um, wow, the, the dog is telling us it's almost time to go. Um, it's not my,
3: dog. <laughs>
4: like
1: it's I said, not my dog. Like I said, I've known uh, Francesco for quite some time, and I've actually hired him to do a couple of uh, pieces. He actually did the cover on my content. Comic book, and he actually has a print of ours. Uh, for, did you uh,
2: draw a Sunburst? Or he did. That that was did? his. That is his. That's work. awesome.
1: So That's he really is cool. he's like my go to like, like high end uh, cover guy. So if you guys want high quality work, this is the man to go to. Um, so especially that, if
2: you especially if it's about a girl.
1: <laughs> yes yes so um before i before i do my ending show spiel i want to just mention that uh, our next live show will be on the 38th live show will be on november 11th with um writer robert sodaro he'll be there at seven o'clock um once again courtesy of the east middle public library um the mcon is going on right now for the winter halloween's fall edition <laughs> Uh, that's uh, going to have a voice actor um, panel with uh, Austin Tyndall on, on October 23rd at 7 p.m. So if they, once again, just go to www.eastmetal.info for all that stuff, and hopefully you see us next week. So, wait,
2: next, next month it's Bob? Bob's on?
1: Yes, Robert Sauer is going to be out. I, I guess, love yes, Bob. Oh, yes. I can't wait. So uh, that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right does here really, and every really- week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, Tough. go to our website www.itcamefromradio.com listen to the archives will be up in a week or so like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter uh, we have over 30 different podcast places to listen to so make sure you guys check us out there check us out on our YouTube page and um, we'll see you uh, next time you've yeah.
0: been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres the views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management owners or staff of the station We now return you to your Earthly Scheduled Broadcast.